Okay, you ready? You ready for the Zulu? Everybody say Sani Bonani. Sani Bonani. And I'm gonna say Yebo. So say it again. Yebo. Now, let's switch that around. I'm going to say Sani Bonani and you say Yebo. Sani Bonani. Yebo. Okay, so basically you just said good morning. When you said Sani Bonani, I said yes. Okay, Yebo, yes. Sani Bonani, good morning. So let's try that again. Sani Bonani, non se. Yebo. I just said good morning, everybody. Well, it's good to be here. I've been supported by your church for several years now, and we really appreciate it. We are missionaries in South Africa, and today we're going to be looking at Paul's second missionary journey. Now, I'm on, I was just thinking about this, I don't even know how many missionary journeys I've been on so far, but this would be like I'm coming back from my second missionary journey. Does anybody know what Paul's, and this is for the kids, what was Paul's home church, his sending church? Can anybody tell me of the, of the children, the, the, the younger children? <laughs> okay, way in the back there. No, but you have a good, important city that we're going to talk about today. Anybody? It starts with the letter A. It starts with the letter A. The next letter is N. Antioch. Everybody say Antioch. 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 Okay, so when Paul was done with his missionary journeys, what city did he go to? And what church did he go to? The church at Antioch. That was his sending church. So when he was done, he would go and he'd report to his sending church and he'd tell them about the great things God had done and he would take a rest, sometimes longer than others. Now, Paul had just got done with his furlough. And he had another missionary journey to take. And that was his second missionary journey. And if you have your Bibles with you, children and adults, you can turn to the book of Acts. Turn to chapter 16. I want to challenge you today. It's kind of still the beginning of the year, 2021. And... If you look around you today at the evil of the world, you could get discouraged. There's a lot of bad stuff happening out there. I, I'm sure a lot of you children are homeschooled. How many of you children are homeschooled? Do you know why you're homeschooled? I would imagine it's because your, your parents want you to be in a good school, a good environment. But you know what? There's still a lost and dying world out there that you need to reach for Jesus Christ. So this year, I would like to challenge each one of you families today. This is family school, right? Is that what you call it, family school? I'd like to challenge you to ask the Lord to help you by the end of the year to have another family with you at family school, okay? Ask the Lord, Lord, would you please help us to win another family to the Lord? And would you please help us to win them to Christ? And, and we're not talking about going to uh, AB, other, the other Baptist church down the, the road, you know, and finding another family that's disgruntled. No, 
Finding your neighbors. How many of you have neighbors that aren't saved? Okay. How many of you children know other children your age that don't know Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about reaching them with the gospel. Now we're going to look at uh, what Paul and his missionary partner. Do you know who the missionary partner of Paul was on his second missionary journey? Silas. Silas, yes. On his first missionary journey, it was Barnabas. And then they were like typical missionaries. They couldn't get along. And so, and, but God used that. You know, like Baptist churches split and they start new churches. If, if you know, they're not doing the Great Commission properly, they, they split and then they start new churches, right? And God still uses that, right? Well, Paul and Barnabas had a, a little disagreement. And, but I'm thankful Barnabas, you know, had John Mark, and he brought him, and Mark ended up writing one of the books of the Bible. Now, there was an earthquake that happened, if you can read that, Paul and the earthquake. There was an earthquake that God used to bring another family to the Lord, okay? Now, how are you going to win a family to the Lord? I don't know. But you have to be doing something purposeful to win that family to the Lord. Did you know if you're a child today, I don't care how old you are, if you're old enough to talk, to walk, go with your brothers and sisters, to visit your neighbor, you can have an influence for Jesus Christ. So anybody here today, if you can understand what I'm saying, and I know that can be difficult at times, but if you can understand what I'm saying, you can win a family just like Paul and Silas did. Acts chapter 16 starts with, uh, let's start at, sorry, Acts chapter 15. If you have your Bible, it says in verse 40, and Paul chose Silas and departed from where? From Antioch. <clears throat> and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. So he went back and visited the other churches. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. So he went, the, his church sent him out. He, he went from Antioch. He went to Derbe and Lystra. And while he was there, he found somebody. Does anybody know who he found? Who did he find? He didn't find Jesus. A certain disciple was there named Timotheus. Who did he find? Children? Timotheus. Let's say Timotheus. Timotheus. He found Timotheus. Do you recognize that name? Did you ever hear of 1 and 2 Timothy? Yeah, this is the guy. Paul took him under his wings... Timotheus, which, uh, and it says, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. So he took T Timothy with him, and he was with Silas. And Paul, on his journey, he wanted to go through different cities. Have you ever wondered, God, which person do you want me to reach with the gospel? Which family do you want me to reach? You know, you're sitting here thinking, well, you want us to reach a family. 
well, it's not really just me, but the Lord, Lord, you want me to reach a family this year. Who can I reach? I don't know. I have no idea. Really, I have no idea. It could be uh, a customer of yours. If you're a child, it might be your neighbor. It, it might be the old lady that you help shovel her, her driveway when, she, when it snows. It might be the lady at the grocery store who, who bags your groceries, if they still do that. It might be the person at the gas station that you give your money to. It might be anybody. Well, they were having a difficulty, you know, finding who it was. Look at verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and it says, And were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Did you see that? Was Paul allowed to go to Asia? Was he? It says they were, he was forbidden. Did you know sometimes God says, no. Do you know that? God says, don't go there. Don't do that. Did you know God can give you direction in your life? He can. The Bible says the preparations of the heart and man are from the Lord. God can direct you in your heart if you're walking with him. And it, it says in verse 7, and they were come to Mysia. After they were come there, they essayed to go into Bithynia. They wanted to go to Bithynia too. But the Spirit suffered them not, didn't allow them. God said, don't go there either. Don't go to Asia. Don't go to Bithynia. And they passing by, that they, they went past Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Come over and help us. Now, I want you to notice something, children and adults. Look carefully. I want you to read carefully now, okay? Can you, can you get your Bibles out? Acts chapter 16, verse 17. Now, uh, sorry, verse 9, verse 9 again. And prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help. What's the next word? Us. Us. Now, it says, and after he had seen the vision, immediately, what? We. Okay. Now, look at verse 8. Read it with me. And, what is the next word? And... They. Who wrote the book of Acts, children? Do you know? Who, do you know? Luke. Yes, it was Luke. And Luke said, they did this, they did that, and now he's saying what? We. Okay, so now Luke joined the team. Some people think that that man that they saw in the vision was Luke. I don't know. Okay, so now they go to Long story short, they go to Philippi. Let's keep reading on. And in Philip, it says in verse 14, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, verse 14, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. Okay. There, there by the river, there's a, do you see the lady in the purple dress, the purple robe? That lady right there was a special lady. Do you know why? God had prepared her heart. 
God had prepared her heart. Did you know if you ask God to direct you, you let God lead you, he can lead you to that person, to that family that he wants you to reach this year for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying everybody here will reach a whole family or will reach a person this year, but you can ask the Lord, please do that for me. And he wants, he wants to win. He, he is not willing that any should perish. And so that lady, Lydia, she was there. The Lord had opened her heart. She attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. She listened. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So they went to her house. Now, last night, I was at somebody's house because I didn't have my own house to go to. I was at um, Brother Virgil Wesco's house. And missionaries do that a lot. We, we stay in a lot of people, different people's houses. And it's interesting the many different things we get to see. So they went to her house. Verse 15, it came to pass as we went to prayer. They went to prayer. A certain damsel, do you know what a damsel is? What's a damsel? Anybody know? Yes. It's a girl. A damsel, a girl, possessed with the spirit of divination. She was demon-possessed. Do you know what a demon is, children? A demon is one of Satan's fallen angels. It's an evil spirit. It's otherwise sometimes called the devil. It was in this girl... She brought her masters much gain by her soothsaying. She would tell people's fortunes and stuff. People would go to her, give, give them money. Hey, tell me, where did I lose my keys? Or um, where can I find some gold? And you know, in South Africa, they do that. Sorry, I'm taking a long time to tell this story. But in South Africa, they have somebody called a Sangoma. They have lots of them, actually. And people will go to the lady, normally, the Sangoma, and say, hey, here's some money. Where did I lose my keys? Okay? And then the Sangoma might tell them, okay, go to such and such a place. And guess what? Do you think they find their keys? Do you, do you think so? They do. Did you know the devil... He's not everywhere like God is, but he has a lot of angels around. And sometimes they know some things. But the devil, he always gets the better end of the bargain when you bargain with him. And he brings you into bondage. And this girl was in bondage to the devil. And she was following Paul and Silas around. And look at what she was saying. Look what she was saying. She said, these men are the servants of the Most High God. These, son, these men, they're serving God. They show unto us the way of salvation. You know, in South Africa, we have the same thing. Now, I've never had anybody demon-possessed following me around saying that, but you know we have a lot of churches that uh, you see the girl following them around? A lot of churches that are preaching salvation by Jesus Christ but there's a lot of demonic activity going on in them. And the devil, he likes to hijack 
God's work. And he likes to fake the work of God and make it look real. We don't want to do that. When you try to reach your family this year, don't do fake things to try to get them to come to church and don't say, hey, if you do this, this, and this, we'll give you this. And, and No, we don't, we don't do that. I told somebody in South Africa, I said, you know what? I could have a big church if I wanted to. I know how to do it. But I'd rather have a small church with real believers. This lady, was she saved? Was she saved? No, she was demon-possessed. But she was saying, hey, this is the right message. Was she right? She was right. But the devil was trying to make the message of God look foolish. That was a barrier. Must have been discouraging for Paul. Did he get discouraged, though? No. Paul, verse 18, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now we move on. When her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Her masters were upset because now she didn't have the devil inside of her anymore. And you know, when somebody doesn't have the devil inside of them anymore, they don't have all that secret information that the devil gave them. And now they, they couldn't make money by her. And they were mad. So they took Paul and Silas, and they took them to the, the, the rulers of the town, and they accused them, and then they beat them up. And they put them in jail, in the jail of Philippi. You ever heard of the book of Philippians? Have you ever, raise your hand if you've heard of the book of Philippians, okay? Now, there's a reason the book of Philippians was written, because Paul followed the leading of God. And in all of his trials, one of the things you have to recognize in all the trials you're in, Paul said, what? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Book of James, count it all joy when you fall into divers' trials. So they were in prison. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 25, Now what would you as an American do if you got cast into prison? What do you think your dad would do if they came to church and put you in prison? What do you think your dad would do? What would an American dad do if, you know, we'd probably call up, hey, uh, where's the CLA? Or where's the um, Liberty Council? Hey, get us out of jail. But they didn't have any Liberty Council back then. They didn't have any Christian lawyers to help them get out of jail. So you know what they did? What did they do? Does anybody know before I read it? What did they do? Yes. They started singing. I don't know what they were singing. Maybe they were singing, I have the, you know that song, I have the joy, 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 joy? I have the joy, joy, joy. They were singing. They were rejoicing to, to God. They weren't, they weren't sad. They were happy. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. 
and the prisoners heard them. Hmm, what, what's going on with these people? They're not grumbling. They're not grouchy. They're singing. They're praising God. And this whole time, Paul and Silas were thankful that they were counted worthy to suffer for God. I don't know when this day is coming, but I recently wrote my U.S. senator, and I witnessed to her some, but I did tell her, I said, even if you make it illegal for me to preach what I believe is the truth, I'm going to keep doing it, even if you put me in jail or in prison. What will you do when you get thrown into jail and into prison? Now, something happened, and we're going to read about that. Verse 26, while they were singing to God, something happened. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeking the, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do thyself no harm. Don't hurt yourself, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and besought them. You see him on, on his knees there? Besought them and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. This year in order to reach somebody for Jesus Christ, it is going to take effort. It will take effort, serious effort. You're going to have to pray, Lord, lead me. Lead me to the right person. Lord, I want to win someone to Jesus this year. Do you know children can reach people for Jesus? Did you know children can be some of the best soul winners? And children can actually need, reach not only children, but they can reach adults, and they can really reach old people. Did you know that? When I was younger, we had some grouchy old neighbors. And my brothers, uh, we had a, a vegetable garden next to the grouchy old neighbors. And... There was a strip, strip of grass next to the vegetable garden, and I remember one time we were mowing the grass, my brothers were, and do you know how some mowers have a chute out the side and it blows grass out? You know that? Well, that neighbor, he was out there by where we were mowing and gardening, and the grass was shooting through the fence over to his side. And boy, have you ever seen an angry person like screaming at somebody? Well, that's what he was doing. And he was, you guys are getting the grass on my side of the fence. And boy, he was one of the grouchiest neighbors. In fact, we had a gravel driveway. And he was so happy when we got a blacktop driveway. Because 
He's like, yeah, every time you went down that driveway, dust came over here. But you know what happened? He stopped being grouchy. Do you know why? There were some little children. I was one of them. And we would go up to his house, and we'd take flowers to our grouchy neighbor. One time, I think we even took cucumbers. And you know how some doors have these slats, they're glass, and, and you can pull a lever, and the slats go up and down? Well, they had the slats open, and we stuck cucumbers in there. And, you know, we shouldn't have done that. But they, they would have been grouchy if an old person had done that. But for us, they weren't grouchy. And we even were able to give them Bible tracts, I'm sure. And I think when our neighbor was in the hospital, my father was able to witness to him. Why? Because some little children were able to get into his heart by giving him flowers, doing little good deeds for them, and it softened their heart. Children, you can do that. You have to go out of your way, though. Maybe go talk to the grouchy neighbor if your parents let you. Um, and do things like that. Are you doing something? Are you taking effort? The, the Philippian jailer got to the point through Paul and Silas' effort. Were they trying to reach him? Not really. I don't think so. They may have said something to him, but what caused him to do that? First of all, it was obedience to God's command. Don't go here. Don't go there. Don't go into Asia. Go to Europe. Go to Macedonia. So they went over the sea. They went into Macedonia. They got put in jail in Philippi. And when they got put in jail, what did they do? What did they do, children? They sang. And they praised God. Lord, we're so happy that we get to be saved. We're so happy that we get to be in jail for you. They didn't call their lawyer and say, hey, get us out of jail. No. They were happy that they could be in jail for the sake of the Lord. And there the Philippian jailer put down his sword. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you ever notice that you can give the gospel to somebody a hundred times, but if God hasn't worked in their heart, doesn't seem to make much of a difference. But this year you can pray, Lord, prepare somebody's heart. I want to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. And look at that next part of the passage. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he, the jailer, took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He was baptized. He and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. The whole family was saved. Can you imagine that? Now, it took a lot. It took a lot for that jailer to get saved. It took, it was at Paul's expense that that jailer got saved. But Paul went out of his way. Silas went out of his way. Timotheus went out of their way. They went to Philippi. And a whole house was saved. A whole family was saved.
Now, let me tell you a little story. You might hear a little bit. You'll see a picture of this. In uh, South Africa, we, like I said, we don't have the philosophy where we bribe people to come to church and just give them free stuff because we don't want them to come to church just because of what they can get from us. We want them to come to church because they love the Lord. So anyways, we, there was one lady who got saved. And that was about 2000, when did Audrey get saved? 2013, 2014, or maybe it was 2000. Yeah, anyways, she got saved. This lady got saved, and she lived a very wicked life. She was what they would call a prostitute. And she had two little babies, and she had uh, four other older children, three at that time. So she had five children in the home. She got saved. We started doing Bible studies, discipling her, and she started growing. She started actually tithing. She had almost no money. And uh, long story short, one afternoon, my wife and my family were in our van, or in, no, in our Land Rover. I told Mr. Virgil Wesco that don't, don't get a Land Rover, you know. Don't, don't do it, okay? I already did it. You don't want to get one. It was very comfortable. It was a good price, but we needed to replace it. So we were looking for a, a van. We're driving along, and my wife gets a text. What's that? Mrs. Roberts, I need some help. And, you know, everybody needs help. But this time we knew we needed to do something. So I'm like, well, I, I believe we need to do something. You don't always know, but this time I knew we need to do something. So I was like, you know what we need to do? We need to go to Audrey, who's saying she needs to go to the hospital. And we need to take her children into our home so that she can go to the hospital and she can get better. And then when she's uh, out of the hospital, she can live in our little guest house for a little while until she gets her strength back. And then we can let her go home again. Okay? Now... Her family hadn't been coming to church much because she was so sick and she, wasn't, she lost her money. She wasn't able to live by the church anymore. But we still loved her. We still cared about her. So we went over to her house and there she is on her, on her bed. And I'll try to show you what she looked like. Just like this. Sitting on the edge of her bed. And I went in there and said, Audrey, now could we take your children to our home for four children at that time with her, and just let them stay with us until you feel better, and then when you're done getting better, you can come to our house till you get your strength back. Okay, are you sure you want to do that? Yes, yes, okay. So we take her, we take some clothes, I think, in a bag, and we already had our children in our Land Rover. We stuffed a bunch more in there. We were like one big happy family. We took her to the hospital, and she went in the hospital. And the last remembrance I have before I left the hospital, she's sitting there with, um, you know, one of those oxygen uh, nose pieces. 
there, and she's just like this. And I called her maybe around 11 o'clock at night, and I said, your kids are all fine. They're with us. I'll see you in the morning. So we dropped her at the hospital, went home, tucked the kids in bed. I took her two, two of her children to school the next day. And I met their older brother, who was living in a shack in a squatter's camp, but met him at school. I said, you know, your mother's in the hospital. And he was shocked, you know, which actually surprised me that he would be shocked, but he was shocked. And then I went to the principal's office and, you know, can I speak with you? Yes, come in. And I thought I was going to give her some news, like, oh, these children's mother is in the hospital. So I went there to tell the principal what was happening, and she said, I'm sorry, I have some news for you. Um, Audrey died last night. I'm like, oh boy, this is interesting. Now I've got four kids in my house. They don't have a mother. They don't have a father. Now some of them did have a father, but didn't care about them. Children, sometimes you might get upset with your dad, but just be thankful you've got a dad who loves you. These, they didn't have a dad who loved them. And um, so I uh, said, what am I going to do? I had no idea what to do. But I knew there's only one thing I could do. I couldn't throw those kids out on the street. So I let those children stay in my house. And Labu, the oldest brother, I said, why don't you come home with me? So one more children, not child now, so five. Why don't you come home and be with me? till we figure out what to do. And long story short, there wasn't anything to do. There was nobody to take the children in, nowhere for them to go. So we knew only one option, and that was God has put them here. And that's how we were able to reach one South African family. And within about a year, each one of those children Turned to Jesus Christ. I still remember the evening, Lebu and Vusi talked to me and were asking me all questions about getting saved. And, you know, somebody prayed with us and, and um, said we're saved, something like that. And I said, no, you know, just because someone prays for you doesn't mean you're saved. And that night, I believe, when they went back to their room, they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior in several, maybe within the next few months, each one of those children accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now, right now, they're not with us because they're South African citizens, we're American citizens, and we couldn't bring them with us, but there's some um, good godly people watching over them right now. But I say all that to say this. For you to reach a family for Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you something. I don't know what it's going to cost you. It might cost you your Sunday evening. Say, hey, come over to our house. I want to spend some time with you. It might cost you your weekend. Hey, come over. Let's spend some time together. It might take a whole year before they open up to hear the gospel. Children, you might have to put down your fun and games and make a friendly visit to your neighbor. Say, hey, 
we want to give you these flowers. Or, hey, we'd like to shovel your, your driveway. And, hey, by the way, can we talk to you about Jesus Christ? And one step at a time, God is going to lead you to the people that he wants you to win. I just want to leave you with this one thought. Children, adults, everybody, do your best this year, 2021, to reach a family for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Help us each to reach someone for Jesus Christ this year. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Nathan. Could I have the slides back up? I'd like to show a slide here just as we wrap up this morning. Did you see the map there? Did you hear as um, Paul was looking to go to different places? He was coming, he was strengthening the brothers, brethren, and he wanted to go up north. He wanted to go up to Bithynia, which is up here. Then he wanted to go over here into Asia. Remember over here, Asia, where the Holy Spirit forbade him. You know what I find fascinating about that that I think we can learn as we seek to follow his recommendation in reaching a family? Is Paul wasn't just like, Lord, help me reach somebody today and sit around at home in Antioch. He made plans. He made purpose. He had purpose to go up into Bithynia. He had purpose to go into Asia. And God didn't lead him in that way. He didn't lead him in this way. And eventually God led him here to Troas and he led him into Europe. And the lesson I think that's important for us is that as we here today are thinking, how can we reach others is to start making plans. I mean, this very day, I mean, even right now, to think who are some people we can reach. Now, they may not be in Bithynia, but they may be over on Elm Street. Or they might be over in the back department at work. Or they might be in some other place. And you may now begin to make plans of people or neighbors or friends of who you can reach. And you know what? It may not go anywhere. You may not have any opportunity or much opportunity. But you see, we start moving and we don't get discouraged. Because see, that's one thing that happened. You might have your heart set on reaching such and such a family. God may not be, use you to be the one to reach that such and such a family. He may, as it says in Acts, the Holy Spirit forbade, for, may forbid you. He may have somebody else in mind, or, or maybe you another time. That's what's true with Asia. Later, it was another time that he went down to Asia. But begin to think and pray as a family to look to reach. And, and if something doesn't work out or you're forbidden, keep going, keep looking, and be intentional focused in seeking to reach and to witness to people so that God can use you. Does that sound like a plan? So just as we wrap up here, I'd like to take um, just a few moments for you to huddle together as a family and just right here before we even break up to just share together and to talk who's someone that we could reach out to this week this week and then just take a few moments to pray about it can you do that so let's just huddle together as families households and think about it and if you just won 
then get in a huddle with the Lord Jesus and ask him, who can we reach? And kids, you might have somebody you want to reach. Now's the time to share it with mom and dad, all right? Let's do that here before we break, and then we'll come back together um, for the morning service. Thank you.